Welcome to Tea with Culture. I'm Hin Mazena, and in this episode, I'm in conversation with Ala Yunus, an artist trained as an architect with research, curatorial, film, and publishing projects. She has taken part in numerous international exhibitions, including the Venice Biennale in 2015, the Guggenheim Museum in New York in 2016, the Mohammed Al-Mahra Abghazala Foundation in Amman, and the Contemporary Image Collective in Cairo in 2017, and most recently at the Delfina Foundation in London and the Académie der Kunst in Berlin. Alaa Yunus currently has an exhibition in Dubai at the Art Jamil Project Space on until the 14th of April, titled Plan for Feminist Greater Baghdad, which builds on a previous body of work titled Plan for Greater Baghdad, which was part of the 2015 edition of the Venice Biennale titled all the world's futures. Plan for Greater Baghdad looks at monuments by architects for governments and the status of empowerment they gained as politics shifted in Iraq. Plan for Feminist Greater Baghdad looks at the significant contributions made by female artists, architects and other influential characters to the development of Baghdad and its modern monuments. What follows is our conversation, which took place at the Arjamil Project Space, about her latest exhibition and her art practice. So I believe the starting point for this exhibition was you stumbling upon a series of slides. Can you tell me about that? Yes, in 2010 I found images uh, or uh, digital images or digital scans of 35mm slides taken by Rifat Jadirji of a gymnasium in Baghdad that was designed by Le Corbusier and named after Saddam Hussein. Um, this, uh, these names uh, relate uh, or revive related to, but also revived uh, like this relationship to my my training as an architect that happened in uh, the mid 90s after the first Gulf War. And and with that, I guess was it then you did you replicate some of these images that you found and you created what um, I described earlier as a timeline that is seen on the wall, which includes a series of images. Some of them feel like images from newspapers or from books, and there's also a lot of text. And so my question, as I was going through this, is how much of this is factual and how much of is it fictional? So as I was trying to understand this relationship between two men who probably never met, Le Corbusier and Saddam Hussein, how can they share a building basically that is already built in Baghdad and uh, have survived somehow? Um, or I wasn't sure. I mean, I was, my, my research wanted, in fact, to study this time between the two men. And um, so it turns out that the building was designed uh, in the between, yeah, like in the in the mid 50s, second half of uh, of the 50s, and it was uh, kept on. It went through def- uh, several stages of design and redesign. All were the results, or these changes were the results of the changes of the political system or the regime that was uh, ruling uh, over Iraq. So with every change of uh, head of state, basically, there was a change in uh, sometimes in the master plans of the city, but also in the type of types and of monuments, uh, whether architectural or artistic, that were coming up and down in, in the urban fabric of uh, Baghdad. So the timelines that I have here are um, at least three. Uh, the top part is dedicated mostly to the gymnasium and to the stories that are related to the gymnasium as it's found in the archives, but also in, partly in the oral history. While year by year, uh, it looks in the second and third timeline what was happening on the political, artistic, or architectural levels. 
uh, and of course some, many times the urban uh, planning level so for instance in the year when Le Corbusier visited Baghdad in 57 Frank Ludwright also visited Baghdad for, some, for another commission and um, so the timeline would present both uh, like uh, both uh, both materials or both anecdotes and then at the same time so that uh, these materials are not necessarily materials that are found only in archives or that had images already so what happens is that I either um, build these images by um, through these composites of, of materials that I put together in certain images or I produce them from, uh, like I draw them or sculpt them. And in these new drawings, there are sometimes um, translations of uh, one line that would appear in a book or uh, a comment that would uh, someone give in a personal interview. And then I try to translate these uh, um, gestures and the, like the sto these stories in gestures that are performed by these selected characters or protagonists from the project. And uh, at the same time, while keeping a reference uh, all the time to the type or to the expression, similar expressions as they, are, uh, appeared, as they appeared in the work of uh, the Iraqi ar artists of the time. And you've not physically seen the building and you've not been to Baghdad, is, is that correct? Yes, I've never been. Uh, I have um, my knowledge of this, um, of Baghdad in general and of the building was, um, or in fact, I have not, yes, I have not seen the building before and partly I produced this project like for several reasons, but one of them was basically to be able to understand uh, the urban space of Baghdad as if uh, as if I visited it, if that's possible at all. And uh, of course, with, with that comes a lot of uh, limitations. But yeah, the whole, this whole project in trying to understand what was built where and the relationships to what uh, the links on the, and, and the relationships between these monuments, but also the areas and the, the neighborhoods in Baghdad was also part of uh, this research because I could not uh, go or until today I did not go. And one of the images that I've spotted is Mickey Mouse and it's also um, one of the models that you've uh, made a, a 3D design. Can you tell me more about that? Yes, so the project basically looks uh, year by year really at what was happening either in the gymnasium story or in Baghdad's, uh, Baghdad's own uh, history. And um, as I mentioned, they, the focus was mostly on artists and architects and on heads of state. So basically, what uh, with the change of head of state, like what, where are these artists or architects, and what, uh, what are they doing, and what, what sort of monuments they're presenting or they're allowed or they're commissioned to do, and um, and in uh, so this is like this is well, this is what explains the appearance of the six. Uh, uh, so we on the on the basis in the in the display we have seven characters or seven protagonists. Six of them are, or three of them are heads of state. Two of them are architects and one is an artist. While this man wearing Mickey costume is a figure that appeared in a concert. Um, that took place in the gymnasium in 1990, celebrating the new year. In August 1990, the um, uh, Kuwait 
uh, will be invaded by the Saddam Hussein uh, troop uh, army, and it will be the soon the map of Baghdad will turn, or all these development projects and all these uh, big buildings that were designed by uh, whether international architects or local art architects. They will become strategic um, um, targets that will, bomb, will be bombed on the first day of the Gulf War. And uh, this man, this man wearing Mickey Mouse, was a weird um, uh, character that appeared in a, in a year that uh, kind of served as a as a as a as a severe maybe uh, time mark. Uh, um, but also it was dancing in the basketball field. It climbed up the stairs to shake the hands of someone who s looked seemingly important or representative uh, probably of the government. And most importantly, this was uh, of the first footage material that I found of, uh, for, uh, of, of the interiors of the, of the gymnasium. And this is, yeah, this is why Mickey Mouse or man wearing Mickey is there in this project. It's quite a surreal-looking image, and I'm just trying to imagine how this video, you know, video that you found, and uh, uh, and what does that mean? And yeah, it's just a strange, out of place, and and mentioning the year and this pivotal period where a complete change. I think that happened to Iraq and Gulf. I think, and and in the Arab world, like that was a weird turning point. Mm -hmm. um, and was moving image and something that you were interested in including in this. Uh, piece of work because at the moment it's just images and physical models in the show here and in London we are including a, a vid this a, a, an excerpt from this video footage because uh, in the research annex because it's uh, it helps uh, kind of explain uh, yeah also kind of will describe to to the audience not just the interiors of the of the gymnasium to a certain point but also and this appearance of mickey and a man wearing mickey but also it will uh, it kind of also shows the type of materials that informed uh, or the visual aesthetics that informed the, the, the materials in the project. I mean, a moving image of this sort with low quality, it's posted online, so it's already lost more of its uh, uh, of its uh, sharpness or what's left of its sharp image is uh, does not have any features when it's frozen. So that was an, something that was interesting. I mean, how do you read the... I mean, you can read the faces or you can read the, the, the interior from the, the continuous presentation of several images following, like, quickly following each other and which, like, produces the video. But when I make um, a screenshot, a still image, then there are no features. And this is... I think... I, I was thinking that this relationship to this... Uh, diluted image or the, 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 the image that does not have any features was very much related or like sim is very symbolic of the way I was trying to find or like the, the materials that I was trying to find the information from uh, for this project. So it's scattered, it's fragmented and it's blurred and it exists in, in memory. It's also written from memory most of the time and it's always written from um, person as personal experiences. And to uh, answer perhaps like this question on like the space of fiction within uh, work uh, that ha that is very much based on 
or heavily based on research and on materials that are found in archives, yes. There is, uh, I do not, in fact, change any of the facts. I do not uh, invent uh, events or gestures. But what I do is that I, um, I merge uh, like uh, stories from different resources into one gesture, for instance, or when the gesture is not uh, recorded or not cap is not captured in an image, then this is when I uh, refer to the Iraqi art at the time or the related Iraqi, I don't know, the closest Iraqi artist possible to that uh, gesture or to that moment or to that production and try to reproduce the gestures from that art itself. And this is, I focus, for instance, a lot on uh, the Liberty Monument by Jawad Salim uh, because it was also commissioned, uh, it, was a, it was a commission that, that started after the announcement of the Iraqi Republic and it was built in two or three years, but the, 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 the amount of pressure that was put on the artist and the architect who designed the base of the monument, who took the photos of the gymnasium among many other uh, um, important things, of course, that he did uh, in, in uh, or projects that he led in Iraq in general. And uh, there is this anecdote that appears in his uh, book, but also in Jabra Ibrahim's Jabra's book, on the monument, when on when the extra pressure that was put on the artist and of course on the architect, when the the prime minister Abdul Karim Qasim at the time learned that his image was not far, uh, included in the monument that uh, was made to commemorate to commemorate the revolution of 1958, and he had hinted somehow that he his image should be there, which and both uh, the architect and the artist did not want this depiction to be included because they feared that the monument will be removed with the change of the system, whether this man or other, another person. So they, they resisted that an, a depiction of any regime or any system appears really in the, in the monument. And so uh, the way uh, Jawad Salim's figure looks like in this project is taken from one of the expressions that he included within his own monument and that's like just one example on the like how I linked the fiction to the document and with these kind of projects so they're quite like masculine so you know male architects male leaders and as, as you describe them the, the I think the original requirement for this is monuments to make statements and so in terms of like the physical space and is do you know like it's a gymnasium but has it been is it females as well that use the gymnasium or is it a predominantly kind of male space I'm not sure really I haven't uh, I have not assumed that it was a male-only space because um, because it was it's supposedly an Olympic. Uh, it was supposedly a built or commissioned to serve uh, for the Olympic Games. So, but I have not really found uh, uh, images of um, of uh, female uh, sports uh, or athletes. Mm. I haven't found images of uh, female athletes playing in the in the space yet. But um, this female question, uh, of course, as I was uh, making the decisions on who I want to make these small uh, figurines of, and 
there was I, I realized I, I realized initially I wanted to make more figures but for time and budget and all these elements that kind of we also help you also make your uh, project more concise I thought that I did not want to have like a, a female quota you know situation where like two out of the seven are female or one out of the seven is female but, and I knew that Whatever that I included in the first edition was basically a concise selection that kind of tells a story or multiple stories or stories of multiple per, per protagonists as they try to, as we're trying to tell the story of the gymnasium. But these stories also appeared in the grand history, in the stuff that were written, in the jobs that were described, in the titles that were given to the people who led projects, let's say. And or happened to write their memoirs or were famous or but uh, at some point as I was trying to translate the title plan for Greater Baghdad there are two ways to translate it and one of uh, the first would be Mukhattat Baghdad al-Kubra and then Mukhattat would be more like an urban uh, scheme or drawing mm -hmm. or you know and then there's also this possi possibility that we say Khutat Baghdad al-Kubra and in this case Khutta might imply that Baghdad is a conscious body that has taken part it, uh, it's, yani, as a conscious body in it, what's, whatever that's happening on, in it, on or for it or to it. And Khutta uh, Baghdad al-Kubra would be the three words Khutta Baghdad and al-Kubra are all feminine, feminine uh, words. And this uh, this uh, was one of the ways that I was thinking. If there are two versions of the word, then could, there could be as well also two versions of the work, where one could only be retold entirely through the stories of the women who, not necessarily would appear in these uh, direct materials that we can look at, but they do exist, and uh, they have contributed whether to the story of the gymnasium or to the story of, of the similar, of these the same events that I spoke about and that took place in Baghdad and its development. And this is how I decided to retell the whole story once again in the same format, two, uh, two at least two, two to three timelines and a set of figures and a model, but all uh, featuring female protagonists. And can you mention some of the female protagonists included in this? So one of the books that uh, greatly informed my first book, my first edition was Al Ukhadir and the Crystal Palace, which was uh, which is a book by uh, Rifat Jadirji that he authored most of it in while he was in prison in Abu Ghraib prison um, uh, between seventy like sometime in seventy nine and nineteen eighty, and the materials. Uh, on on uh, he on the first page he thanks uh, the people who helped him put together this book, including uh, the people who were with him in the prison, but also other people, but in, but including his wife who carried the manuscripts of the book in and outside of uh, Abu Ghraib prison uh, in her when she came to visit him. So one of the characters that are in the project is is Rifa uh, Jadish's uh, wife, Mrs. Balqis Sharara, and then. Uh, in that book, uh, in, the, in its first uh, chapter, he starts. Uh, he says that as he returned to Baghdad from his studies in the UK, he was told he was he has to go and see the works of Ellen Jaudet. 
And Ellen was an architect um, from, she was American, she was trained in Harvard together with her husband, Nizar Jaudat, they got married and they were married and they lived in, and they returned to live in, in, to live in Baghdad and worked on several projects, in, uh, including a building, uh, Al-Khudairi, Amart Al-Khudairi, uh, that was made. That was of two stories. The first floor was uh, her. Her office was in the first floor, while uh, many architects and engineers have rented offices in the second floor. And they meet uh, later. Of course, uh, Jadeji meets Ellen, and they discuss, for instance, the ideal height for. I mean, she informs them of the latest studies on the on the ideal heights of roofs in Iraq for uh, for. The, ideal uh, air circulation for instance and so on but she has also uh, w she was also uh, um, along with her husband uh, in direct contact with Walter Gropius uh, who was designing uh, to convince him or to talk to him about designing something for Baghdad and this thing or this project was basically the Baghdad University so Ellen is also one of the characters, and uh, there is also so from Baghdad University or the establishment of the Baghdad University, and particularly the Department of Architecture. More chances are given to uh, people, to, to students, to study architecture, including the female students, and from like those who were trained and studied and trained and worked, worked who have worked in Baghdad were architects like Wajdan Maher, who worked in several positions including at the, uh, the tourism committee or the tur tourism department at the Ministry of uh, Culture and uh, so this, that was her day job and in the evenings she, she worked at Iraq Consult which was uh, uh, like an, a consulting uh, architectural office that was uh, co-founded by Rifat Jadirji and her projects are many and they and her name appears uh, in in the memoirs and in the books that were written uh, on um, uh, on the experiences of 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 the authors of the books, let's say. But not so much of her own biography is written there. And uh, so, yeah, I I also feature her and as well as uh, yeah a few other characters who were really. Um, yeah, there was not that they their stories were interesting, but also they had a role one way or another and a relationship to the um, to the type of the story to the type of topics that I was looking at the monuments because she was Ujdan, um, for instance, was part of the consulting team that supervised the making of the um, martyrs monument, this blue split dome that stands in Baghdad until today, but among many other projects. So you bring together um, lots of narratives, so you know, like almost like kind of connecting, and 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 you bring it, I think, to the forefront where these are hidden stories, forgotten stories, and it's a really fascinating approach to tell a story, to bring attention to a historical period, and and it's just like a really interesting way, and uh, and what I also find a differentiation between the models. So one set is 
female models and one set is the male models where the male models I think there's interesting gestures like as if they're making you know kind of sports positions when the women not necessarily the same uh, that definitely feels like an exaggerated sense of movement in the male models compared to the female and I was wondering if there was a specific reason for that um I was, uh, there was um, a little bit more difficulty in finding the images or like photos of the women to be featured, first of all. So there's a, there was a lot of effort that was put towards trying to get um, a model looks like the original character, like a photo of the original character. And sometimes I would have like four photos, one she, when she was young, 20 and one when she was like 40 and one when she was 80. And she would look, look different in each in each different in uh, each uh, photo, and this is this would make it even more difficult because, and have not met these women in in reality, or have not met them when they were as young as or as old as the year that I wanted to depict them in. Also, kind of limited the type of like how much like I can also get of their own spirit within their own models. So I tried so much to work from the existing images so plus I wanted I also found that I uh, it was not a matter of let's make a body look like it's saying something in this part in this part of the work it was more of like maybe they're holding mm. one or more of the products they were uh, produced or the gestures that I kind of found to, for the, from their own stories. So, for instance, Wujdan Maher issued uh, four uh, issues. Like she was, uh, she initiated this uh, architectural uh, magazine, Amara. That was called Amara. Many, many of her colleagues and friends and and uh, fellows uh, contributed to the to the editions. Uh, that was produced in Arabic, but also with some English uh, briefs uh, at the end of the magazine or on one side of the magazine. But uh, she issued four uh, issues, but the fourth was stuck in print at the printers uh, because it was printed in, in, in August 1990, and or it was printed, it was stuck in print at the printers because of the Iraqi invasion of Kuwait. So the, ne the fourth issue never really came out, and Rujdan uh, was traveling at the time, and she never went back to Iraq. Uh, I mean, she had to resettle outside of Iraq after that uh, moment. She was also one of the avant-garde, let's say, like uh, of the avant-garde uh, generation of female architects, and somehow, as I and I only worked from one image that I found of her, and when so she's holding her magazines, three of them only, and she's uh, stepping forward somehow. So it was a gesture that was not supposedly to look like she's doing something like you know perform very performative as much as perhaps this history was try like I, I was trying to find like what sort of history can also be embedded within the own gesture mm -hmm. and for instance Nada Zbouni who's an architect who was a student a student of architecture when she went to to to, to do her summer internship in Le Corbusier's contractor's office in Paris she was uh, together with her colleague, and both of them were given like the drawing to work. On, they were given the missions like to work on the drawings that were being prepared for the construction of the gymnasium, and that was in the mid 70s, like something like 74. And later, she like within the same internship, she was asked to work on the model 
or she was part of the team who worked on the making of a model. And in the project, I sh- I sh- and then when she returned back to Iraq, uh, she had brought with her a photo, and that was published in Iraq Times. So in my project, she's holding these maps. You know, she's holding a tube of maps or a map, like this roll of maps that she has uh, probably, uh, because of the people that I've met, she was the closest, for instance, who had came to, like she was one of the people who came very close to the drawings themselves, for instance. And there's also a gesture of this uh, governmental employee who finds out, who like draws the attention of their of her supervisors to the fact that they have ready design for the gymnasium in the drawers at the Ministry of How of Housing or Housing and Works, Public Works. And this is like how the project comes back to life again and is like a letter is written to Fondation Le Corbusier in Paris saying let's we want to move ahead and build the building finally after all these years. So it's these gestures so the, uh, in, in the work but it's also linked with this other architect, the other civil engineer, in fact, that was uh, appointed Minister of Transportation, but also put in prison for a few years. So I mixed the both characters mm-hmm. in this gesture that is taken from Joet Salim's Liberty Monument of the um, ma- woman uh, or mother and child. So there is this um, an even smaller miniature of the gymnasium that the, this character is holding with it between her arms. So these are quite layered gestures. I mean, the more now as you describe it, like it t- makes me look at these works really differently. I mean, the only model that stood out for me was the Hadid, but the Hadid's the character just stands out, like because it's obvious, you know, the way she dressed, and you know, she's like a sculpture on her own, and like so that's the only model or figurine, if I may call it, you know, where I recognize. So it's really fascinating to know like the details and the thought process of how to present these bodies in in these 3D sculptures. And and I think I've said this before that it is quite a dense um, piece of work, and I mean that in the most positive way. But there is a lot of layers to it. There's a lot to look at, and I think there's always some, something new to discover every time you look at it. And my question then is: Is there another face to this? Would this be something you think that would be a publication that would be like an, another object which, which kind of collates everything together? Yes, so the project as uh, we see it, I mean, already expanded into this female version. There is also this research annex that I've been installing next to the project sometimes. I don't try to to reproduce the same material, but like for instance in this show, I'm showing some of the books that I looked at, for instance, to, uh, to... to look for information or to look for, I mean, I was reading to understand the context, but also they kind of supported me or provided me with not just the context knowledge, but also the details of each life, which I think is really the what I appreciate the most in this project. And then, uh, so there's this research annex, of course, and there's uh, the video of uh, the excerpts from the Mickey Mouse uh, video. and. In the London edition and, inclu- and here also in in in, um, in Dubai, I include also the texts that I wrote on the project. And like in each text, there's this. Uh, I, I expand on one of the ideas: the diluted image, or the where the like when the when the revolution started, the foot of uh, near near the monuments, or I mean different different uh, ways to look at this uh, work. And also the history and materials, the other materials that came up and were not featured. So these appear already in these texts. 
But I do, yes, want and think, and people have always like asked and kind of asked for and asked about whether this can become a publication. And maybe it's not just one publication, I'm not sure, but uh, I think, uh, um, well, the format as it is now, because of the unified size, almost like unified size of the images, kind of like shows as if it's pulled out from a publication, and this is why maybe people ask this question. But yes, I, the format is not really, I have not really decided yet on the format or the way that this history can be written, both not just as uh, like this investigation of the architectural and artistic and political shifts in Iraq, but also and also all the other stories that came out, but also like all of this as being part of an artistic uh, project uh, altogether. And yeah, with, yeah, this format has not really been fully developed, and this is what why the book is late, but also probably because there is so much still to be uh, like I don't know, like researched. And uh, yeah, it's massive, and I don't want to be like yeah. The book, the book has to kind of understand this size and kind of know how to deal with it. I, I mean, and that's the thing with research; it never ends, right? Because you, you dig and dig, and you discover and you discover. And at what point? So do you give yourself a deadline? And 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 what is the thinking process? Because you're quite kind of multidisciplinary in terms of your the work you do. You write. You curate, uh, film is I think a big part of what your interest as well, and I'm curious just from a process, I'm always interested like with artists and you know how they, you know, the process of the work like how do you divide headspace in, in terms of thinking and, uh, and and splitting time or time to research or time to sit and develop, like how, how, what's your average day like? <laughs> well the day like is very much uh, devised by the by the next deadline, let's say, unfortunately. Uh, but maybe that's also a good thing because otherwise uh, it can also take for as long as it needs to. And I don't know, it might need a whole lifetime, of course. So, yes, I do uh, try... Uh, so from my travels, I try to meet uh, the, the protagonists, whether the people I know or the people that I don't know. Part of what we're organizing here was also this idea of... Uh, I was thinking since there's a great community of Iraqi architects already in Amman that I've met, of course, in the course of uh, researching this project, and there are still many that I still need or no one to meet. And also when I was in uh, London, uh, it was a very uh, an lucky chance that, uh, we, for instance, architect Ujdan Maher came to see the show and we sat and spoke. We had spoken on the phone, but uh, before, but it was a first, our first like uh, meeting face to face, so it was really uh, very uh, enriching. And there was a, there is a, of course a great, a big community of Iraqi architects here in uh, in the UAE. So we sort of uh, planning a get together, something like informal, more like a research table. Uh, on which uh, we, to which we invite not just, I mean, uh, uh, some of the Iraqi architects who are here, particularly those who lived, were trained or lived in Iraq and worked there, in Baghdad particularly. And we also, uh, like, are also, like, uh, hosting other guests, like, from, from people who have worked on this, or we try to also in, uh, kind of implicate them within our own projects. <laughs> So it does uh, take a lot of time, um, but now perhaps it has learned more than before. Uh, 
okay, so since I was trying to work on this since 2010 and have uh, mostly uh, spent a lot of time working on other projects, but also on trying to understand where do you piece this, uh, this uh, uh, where do you piece this history from, like the archives or meeting people or books or what, which books? And you approach it from personal point of views or from professional point of views and so on. So this has taken a lot of time on its own, you know, coming to... And it only also happens because it happens or takes its own shape because of the way the work has to be presented somehow. So now it has... Well, now what I'm trying to do is just to produce this map of where... These, uh, these spots of knowledge are and it's not just like that it's also all these lives that have moved and found other uh, places to live in and other things to work with in different parts of the world whether uh, they were Iraqi architects or people who have been there and are not Iraqi or you know so it's what what's happening now is that while the work is in, on show, besides all the stories that people or the audience can bring to it, there's also this reach out to attempt to reach out. Uh, there's always this attempt to reach out to the uh, uh, to the other protagonists or to other people or to the other uh, experiences that to the people who have been in the same conditions. And it, it's very important that we also listen to their own experiences. And then, yeah, I think uh, it's important that we do not just project on this, but also keep it open, the uh, potential to hear more and more on what was happening there from each and pers person's point of view. Yeah, I mean, I can imagine this is something that will just keep going and going, just because the material is really rich, you'll always discover and meet new people. So I know it's really fascinating. I'm hoping more people will come and see this and hope this work travels and looking forward to see what next phases of this project and your other works. Thank you so much, Alaa, for joining me and good luck with everything. Thank you so much, Hind, and for your excellent questions. Thank you for listening, and for more conversations about film, art, and culture, please subscribe and listen to Tea with Culture on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Till next time.